Okay, so before I dive in, I just want to... I've got a little theory um, of mine and I just want to test. So my theory is uh, that it's fine for me to repeat a little bit of what I spoke about last time. Oops, there we go. I knew that was going to happen at some point. Uh, because you lot aren't going to remember what I said anyway. Uh, I'm going to make it a little bit more interesting. Uh, I've got £10. Yeah, £10. And for anyone who can remember the last two prayers that I think possibly the most important prayers to pray to our Father. Any takers? No? Okay, just one. One prayer. Thank you. <laughs> Damn. No. No, that's not it, Mike. Close. But yes, it's a good start, isn't it? Thank you. No. So, well, that's fine then, because I'm safe, because you lot aren't going to realise when I cheat and uh, say the same content as I did last time. <laughs> it's all good. Repetition, I've concluded, is actually okay. Okay, so... Have you stopped to think about what you're really praying for when you ask, your kingdom come, your will be done? How about when you read, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you? What's your mental image of what this kingdom is all about. Uh, some people, I think, have a, a particular image in their mind when they think of the kingdom. That they think it's a physical thing, a physical kingdom. And when they're praying, your kingdom come, it's really, in other words, hasten the day when you come back and reign for that thousand-year rule of Christ in the millennium. So it's the physical kingdom. Uh, and yet there's another meaning to the word kingdom, and it's not physical. It's not geographical. Uh, it means, or the word kingdom also means the legal right and authority for someone to reign. Uh, if you're interested, if you want to look at Daniel 5.26, I'm not going to for the reasons of time. Uh, so, if you want to use that as a reference. Uh, but for us, ultimately, kingdom is about us submitting ourselves to him. Giving him the right and authority to reign in our lives. Uh, once we're submitted to him, then we can start to expect the things of the kingdom manifest in our lives. Uh, when we see the kingdom manifest now, we start to see the sick healed, the lost found, the broken-hearted restored. We start to experience the fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace. We find that we are indeed being transformed from one degree of glory another. Our temperament even changes. Uh, a leopard 
can change its spots. I wish Simon was here because this, this next little bit was specifically for Simon, um, but I'll carry on anyway and he won't mind, I'm sure. Uh, so take us, oh, Simon Swift. Before he accepted Christ, I don't think you'd want to meet him in a dark alley at night. Uh, but now look at him. A man that's full of grace and compassion for the lost. And a life turned round just like his. Uh, in fact, he only recently said to me that he doesn't even like to kill an insect trapped in the house. He then kind of ruined it when he confessed. He makes an exception for killing mosquitoes. <laughs> and then graphically demonstrated said killing by furiously slapping his arms. We just have to pray for Sire, I think, for those last few things. Okay, so we've briefly thought about the kingdom and its benefits. And now I want to ask you a few questions to ponder. Do you pursue the gifts of the Spirit or the giver? Do you desire the fruit of the Spirit or him that is the Spirit? Dare I say, do you like to digest and understand more and more of the word or know the word become flesh? I would say all the things on the left are all good, wonderful, God-breathed, truly desirable and right, but they are the byproduct of the person that we find on the right. Is our focus really on him, on the things on the left that are a result of having him? you really read the Bible because you like to or because you love the author? Uh, I think the litmus test uh, when we know we're pursuing him, and Mike, if there's a chance of getting this first scripture up on the projector, the first one, the Habakkuk. Oh, yeah, okay, thank you. <clears throat> okay, so the litmus test, are we pursuing him? Is I think when you can say, uh, is that the right? Uh, yep, that's the right one. So, uh, the, though the fig tree may blossom, may not blossom, sorry, nor fruit beyond the vines, Though the labour of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy 
in the God of my salvation. And yet, how on earth do we get to that same point where we can cry the same thing? Uh, I've concluded that, for me at least, pursuing the things on the left is not sustainable. No matter how honourable or wonderful those things are, I won't be able to develop enough energy or motivation to keep pushing for more. Eventually, I'll just run out of steam and at best settle for something that's maybe good enough or at worst, I'll just give up and live a grey, unfulfilled life. The only sustainable path, for me at least, is to develop a love for him. Or maybe putting it another way, to let him lavish me with enough love that I can't help but love the things he loves and pursue them because I'm compelled to do so. Where I can't help myself but love what love loves. Uh, That conclusion really has changed my whole outlook on what we call this Christian walk. Uh, Certainly what it looks like. As my awareness and the revelation of that love he has, for me, increases. So too my desire for getting those crowns of righteousness to throw at his feet. Now that's sustainable. Because his love for me is so real and tangible and something I know I can keep running back for more. Do you want the gifts, fruit, and the word? Or do you want him? What's your mental image of who your father in heaven is? Think about it. Uh, I think that mental image is likely going to determine the degree with which you can receive a revelation, the know-that-you-know kind of knowledge of his love for you, and ultimately going going to determine how sustainable your passion is for him is going to be. So I've got a couple of questions for you to to consider. So do you see him as someone with a rule book like the Ten Commandments or the list of Beatitudes where he's ready to slap you around the back of the head when you mess up? Or worse, a yardstick of whether you're going to get to heaven or not? Or is he the father whose desire is for the very best for you, providing guidance we find in the scriptures because he wants you, he wants to watch you 
grow into that mature son and daughter that you can be entrusted with the father's, his full inheritance now before you even get to heaven. Uh, When you read the passage, obey my commandments so that my joy may be complete. Sorry, so that my joy may be in you and your joy complete. That's John 15, 11. Uh, Do you read someone with a critical eye looking to see whether you deserve to receive his joy? Or do you see the person who wants the very best for you, for you to receive the very best of him, for you to experience the sublime joys of a life infused with him? So what's your mental image of how your father looks at you and thinks about you? I just want to draw out a couple of scriptures. I thought this was really good, even if you ask me. Okay, uh, so uh, next one, I think, Mark, uh, Luke 15, 8 to 11. Okay, so we've all read this. It's really, really um, popular, well-known. We've probably read it a hundred times. Just going to read it again. Uh, or what man? Oh, sorry. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, "Rejoice for me, for I have found the piece which is which I lost." Likewise. I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But have you considered verse 10? I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels, uh, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Have you realized who is in the presence of the angels? Well, whenever you have a description of the Father in heaven, it's always with him surrounded by angels. So the wonderful thing is, it's your Father who's rejoicing over you. Angels are probably just standing around thinking, oh, here he goes again. Uh, Have you read the start of... I think I'm pronouncing this correct. I'm probably not pronouncing this correct. Hosea, Hosea, Hosea 11. I'm really thought about the language used here. Uh, I, I love my boy, Hayden. And I already have a memory bank of precious memories. Uh, <clears throat> I recall melt my heart <laughs> just thinking about them. 
uh, seeing this baby that's to become the boy I know, I now know, as he first entered this world. (laughs) With his arms and legs twisted like a scarecrow blown around in the wind. Uh, Hayden on my shoulders for the first time. And holding on as tight as he could because it was so high for him. Uh, Watching him just start to ride his bike and feeling so proud. To be his dad. Listening to Hayden squeal with excitement as we're being chased by waves at the coast. I'm going to read Hosea 11, 1 to 4. But this time, notice the same father's heart as mine as he reminisces about his son. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called him my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bowels, and they burned incense to to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. Arms actually is a mistranslation. Uh, In the Hebrew, it actually says... I carry them, carry him on my shoulders, just like I do my boy Hayden. But they did not realise it was I who healed, who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, or in the King James Version, cords of a man. Uh, there's a beautiful picture, actually, of the father. These cords of a man is actually the father harnessing the boy with the equivalent of reins to stop him from running off. With ties of love. To them I was like the one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. Don't you see? This is nothing less than the reminiscences of a father's heart in heaven toward you. He's just like that to you. Of course he is. That's why us fathers feel the same way when we look back at our children. It only goes to make sense. We're made in our father's image. Of course we have the same reminiscences, just like our Father in Heaven has to you. Do you want the gifts, the fruit, and the Word? Or do you want Him? He's blessed me with a revelation of his great love for me and continues to increase that year by year. Why did he bless me like that? I don't know. I can assure you it's nothing 
to do with me. Nothing special about me just goes to show how good the giver is. He's full of grace and mercy and love and kindness. Uh, Those blessed... I think those blessed with certain things are really just an example of what's potentially available to each of us. An invitation to draw you into seeking that for yourself. I, I, my hope is that the next bit, I, I want to give you a glimpse of what I know of his love that's available to all and to increase your appetite and spur you on to taste and experience more of him to draw you into that virtuous cycle where he gets to transform you little by little into the image of his son So I just want to recall some of my journal entries that were a result of sensing his closeness and love for me. Ah, Lord, you really are so, so good. You're an ever-present comfort, this joy that never dies. You are the lightness to my step. The song in my head the smile on my lips, the laugh in my belly. You're this life that's worth living. You're my friend and my love. Who else is there like you that I could run to? There's no one so beautiful, so wonderful, and so lovely like you. No one who could take this broken man and make him whole, who puts royal robes on his back that he doesn't deserve and lavishes him with love. No one I know who knows me through and through and yet still loves me regardless of me. Oh, what grace, oh, what mercy. You're my delight my soul satisfied and I will praise you regardless of circumstance regardless of anxiety regardless of fear because you deserve it all you are the king of my heart the fire in my soul the joy that is my strength and firm foundation you're so good to me Thank you, my love. Thank you. So I know these entries were because of his springs of water, his spirit welling up in me and longing to be with him face to face. It's that longing within me that keeps me coming back for more. And what I'm suggesting is that cultivating 
this longing and desire is sustainable. Rather than trying to pursue on the, the things on the left, the gift, the spit, the fruit, even the word. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. All those things on the left are an essential part of our faith. But it's the pursuit of him that's the motivation, target, and goal. And these things on the left are an inevitable, tangible byproduct of that pursuit. Uh, uh, we're, what is it, uniquely and wonderfully made. We're, we are uniquely different. Um, but I think there's a common thread between us all. We're made to delight in him. As you enjoy and delight in him, we bring him honour. And that delight continues to draw you into that virtuous cycle where he gets to transform you. Uh, For me, my intentional tool to cultivate gratitude and delight in him is to listen to contemplative or adoration-based worship. Um, In that way, I connect and commune with him, the one who loves me. But that's not the only way. Uh, Like any good father who loves to give good gifts to his children... Go ask him to give you a fresh revelation. I know that you know knowledge of how much you are beloved in him. Ask him for a revelation of all that he's made you in Christ. Just like Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, uh, actually, in fact, let's, let's ask him now together, shall we? Let's pray these same prayers that Paul prayed for ourselves. So I invite you to close your eyes and focus on the words. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you anoint me afresh today with power, to grasp the magnitude of your great love for me, that I might be filled to the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, would you anoint me afresh with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of my understanding would be open, that I would know that I would know the assurance of my calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and the power, that same power that that raised Jesus from the dead the same power working in me, mighty to see 
dark addictions broken, mighty for the tearing down of strongholds, mighty to see the lost found, the brokenhearted restored, the sick healed, and even the dead raised. Uh, remember that it's a continual thing to be reliant on him. He's designed it that way uh, to keep asking, keep us keeping, coming back to him on a daily basis for more. So can I suggest that you ask these two prayers of the Father Ask it regularly, maybe even daily, like I try to do. And he is a good father. And he does love to give good things, good gifts to his children. Uh, What activities do you like doing that makes you feel connected with him? What activity do you like doing that you like doing, that's rewarding, uh, good, honest fun, makes you feel alive. What are those little things that you do during the day that when you take the time to stop for a moment, you can easily be grateful for? Um, Let's be intentional in those moments and pause to thank the one from 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 whom all good things come. Your Father in heaven. Make this a habit to cultivate a grateful heart. And as you cultivate a grateful heart, you will want to keep coming back to him for more. And your longing and desire for him will reinforce itself and be sustainable. He's the source of all things that you can feel grateful for. All those things that are lovely and praiseworthy. So as you recognise that, you know who to thank and he receives the honour. As you connect with him by being grateful, your heart and your spirits are lifted, which is the antidote and even preventative for much of the depression and the lows that we feel, that we experience, and that we will experience throughout life. Just like it says in Proverbs 17 to 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So can I challenge you to spend time just being thankful and telling him that you are thankful? Uh, Think about maybe changing your routine a little bit. Maybe try adding five to ten minutes, say, to the start of your quiet time, just listening to worship music that makes you want to thank him, that increases your sense of love for him or makes you want to praise him in adoration. 
try adding a minute or two at the end of your quiet time to be still and repeat a few times either in your mind or out loud thank you Father for loving me and giving your son for me thank you Jesus for taking my place and dying for me so that I can spend an eternity with the one who loves me. If you're an avid reader of the Bible, maybe it's, maybe, just maybe, it's even a case of stopping short of reading those last couple of pages and instead taking the time to say thank you. My point in all of this a greater revelation of him and his love for you will cause you to desire and pursue more of him. Kingdom and all the things associated is wherever the king is. Kingdom is an inevitable byproduct. As you pursue him, and desire him, you start to desire his authority and right to reign in your life. And wherever he is, all these kingdom things will be added onto you. 